Welcome to The Solar Podcast. Today, Dave is speaking with Susan Stone and Viral Hardev from solar window startup Ubiquitous Energy. Join us as they explain how their technology works, applications for solar glass, and their vision for offsetting building energy use with transparent solar coatings. Let's get started on The Solar Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Solar Podcast. I'm Dave Anderson, your host. Thrilled to be talking with two special guests for us today. This is a, this is a first for the Solar Podcast. We're going to have two guests at the same time. Uh, we, we first are thrilled to have with us Susan Stone. So Susan's an experienced business leader. She's the current CEO of Ubiquitous Energy. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Ubiquitous Energy. It's a unique and cool technology, something that we haven't talked about on the Solar Podcast. Uh, she has a background in BC, um, but she transitioned to become the CEO of Ubiquitous Energy in 2019. Um, um, we're going to spend a lot of time talking again about the tech, but she does have 20 years of experience in financing, VC investing, and in leadership. Uh, we're also pleased to have with us uh, uh, Viral Harev, who is an innovator in the clean tech space as well. He's got 15 years of experience uh, in developing, commercializing novel technologies. He's currently the VP of corporate strategy. I hope I got that right. The, 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 the VP of corporate strategy at Ubiquitous Energy. Uh, he leads all of the partnerships, the marketing, the planning, uh, in trying to bring there. And this is something that you're hearing for the first First time, their transparent solar window to the market. So it's a really cool technology. I've spent some time on their website. I've tried to do a little bit of research. The truth of the matter is, is I'm going to get out of my depth really quickly relating to the technology, but sure. but we're going to spend some time trying to uh, break it down for the layperson to understand here on the Solar Pat Podcast. So Susan, Viral, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm sure that I missed some things in the intro, but Susan, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a quick overview of yourself as well, I'd love to have our guests get to know you a little bit. And then Viral, if you you wouldn't mind as well. Oh, thanks, Dave. I mean, your intro was so good. I don't know what I can add to that. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. I think, um, yeah, it's just a pleasure to be here. And uh, I didn't know that we were a a first time when you're doing a a double interview at once. So this will be extra fun, I think, to be a first. Yeah, pretty Um, cool. Yeah, our producers reached out and asked if we would do a double. And I thought, you know, I think that sounds like a lot of fun. So let's uh, let's make it happen. Yeah, I love it. Um, So yeah, thanks for thanks for bending the rules for us. Uh, <laughs> no, no problem. So, uh, by way of background, um, yeah, thank you for that intro. You you captured it really well. I've um, I've had a, a a long and winding journey to get to the point where here I am as CEO of a renewable energy company and a transparent solar company. Nonetheless, it's a um, it's really a revolutionary technology. So that's that's part of why I landed in this role. I was an early investor in the company. So uh, you know, almost ten years ago now, I met our founders and early employees and fell in love with the technology and just have been, you know, kind of in wonder uh, of not just how is this possible, you know, just kind of like the awe of, oh my gosh, our technologists are able to make transparent solar. It truly is invisible solar, but also the impact that this technology can have on the planet. Um, and so I, my journey was really from an early investor in the company. I was then a board member in the company. Uh, and in 2019, once we had matured this technology to the point where it was truly ready to productize and commercialize, uh, I came in to join the team as CEO. Uh, so it's been incredibly fun for me because this is uh, truly something I wake up every day excited and in awe of. Um, and then, you know, you said it before that I had a much more boring time. I was a VC. I was an investment banker. I was a finance person. Um, so very, very different. Happy to talk at length about, uh, you know, kind of any of those phases of my life and, and how they've been so different. Um, but I can say definitively that, uh, this is a high point of my career getting to work at this company. Uh, and I think right now we're all on our team doing probably the most important work any of us could be doing um, in, in bringing this product to market. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting role. Yeah, I think I'm a little surprised more people don't make the transition from sort of like the financier, iBanker, VC world into more industry roles. When you're looking at deals all day, I, I, I would think it'd be hard not to get excited about some of the cool technologies you're seeing and want to be part of, of those changes. So, I, I, and, and I've talked to a lot of VCs over the years and a lot of financiers and a lot of iBankers, and I don't know why more people don't sort of like make that transition. I know a lot do, but uh, to me, it would feel like a lot of people would want to leave the the 
um, I would say standing on the peripheries, watching and making investments in people. And you are making a big change by doing that into the jumping in and making a big change. So that was the, 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 the ultimately the change you made. So Viral, please, a uh, little bit of an introduction of yourself. Yeah. As well. th- yeah. Thanks, Dave. And uh, kind of echoing what Susan already said, you know, really excited to be here and chat with you today. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about what we're doing in our technology. My background is obviously different than Susan. I don't have a finance background, but, um, I'm more on the technology engineering side and I kind of, I would say kind of went a little bit of the other way. Right. So I really liked working, you know, hands-on engineering, you know, again, you're rolling up your sleeves, that kind of stuff. But then I've over the last decade or so kind of transitioned a little bit more, you know, career-wise role-wise into thinking about how do you address your product, your technology, the market fit, understanding all of these things and how they play. Um, you know, I always say like, oh my gosh, our technology is so amazing, but it's not just the technology itself, right? It's like all these other things you got to put together to actually make it a commercial, commercialized product and a business. And so I find a lot of fun in that and figuring out, you know, how do all these different pieces of the puzzle more or less kind of fit together? Um, so that's kind of where I come at it from. Um, but yeah, um, just, I think we're at a really exciting time and not only, society wise, but just technology wise for us at the company. And we really, uh, you know, feel like we're on the precipice of, of something really, really remarkable happening. And so we're really excited. Yeah. And I, I hope I don't ruin this. Uh, but, uh, certainly you're going to adjust or fix whatever I say incorrectly here, but obviously PV solar photovoltaic solar, uh, the primary substrate that's used is polysilicon. And uh, we use polysilicon that's doped with typically phosphorus and boron and you create a PN junction and then you generate essentially an electrical current and you create electricity. And that's what a solar panel really does. Um, They're fantastic. They work for a long, long, long time. Um, Polysilicon has proven to be, for the most part, the most economical and the best substrate to use for photovoltaics. Um, There's a a lot of other rumors you might hear, things you might see on Yahoo News, things that might pop up in your feed if you're in the solar space uh, that could be different sorts of paints, thin films, all these different things. So when we're talking about transparent solar, if you wouldn't mind just kind of help our listeners understand what precisely is it and what are sort of the applications of it. And maybe you can sort of like break down uh, what you think the use cases are and how you feel like it's going to be really um, advantageous to add this new transparent solar technology to what we're already currently doing with like current photovoltaics using the polysilicon um, typical solar panels that are going on homes and businesses and, and out in large farmers fields. It was, it was a great short explanation there, Dave, about what a solar panel is, right? Or what a solar cell is, right? Uh, you have PN junction, it's usually silicon. That's the most heavily and widely historically researched material for many good reasons, right? To make a solar panel. So what are we doing that's different? So we're doing the same thing. We're making a solar panel, but we're making it transparent. And the trick is really in the material. So we're not using silicon or polysilicon or crystalline or perovskites or any of those kind of materials. We're using materials that are organic based. And so these are things that are kind of commonly used in the industry for many other reasons. Think of, you know, things to like uh, the dye that's used to color clothing, right? So we take these really inexpensive, non-toxic, environmentally friendly, organic or carbon-based materials, and we apply our kind of magic to them. And what we want to do is take these materials and kind of tune their properties a little bit so that at that kind of nano scale, at that really, really molecular level, we can convert them into being electronic materials. And then we take those materials and create a solar panel out of it. And so we have the same thing. We have a PN junction, we have you know holes in electrons kind of moving around and we wanna get that energy out. The novel thing that we have is all of the materials we use in our devices are are visibly transparent, meaning me and you as humans, we don't see them with our human eye because they're visibly transparent. However, they're operating in parts of the light spectrum that's what we call non-visible. So think of things like ultraviolet infrared. So when you look at sunlight, right, you typically get these three different parts of solar spectrum, right? You get ultraviolet, you get visible light that we see as color, and you get infrared, um, kind of what people typically refer to as like solar heat. So silicon is great because it kind of more broadly absorbs most of this kind of solar light, right? All parts of the spectrum. 
And that's why you can get a pretty efficient solar cell by converting some of that into useful electricity. So if you wanted to make it transparent, what you do is you just don't absorb that visible light that we see as color. And that's exactly what we're doing. So our materials are only absorbing that non-visible light energy, mostly the ultraviolet and infrared, converting that to useful electricity while all of the visible light that we see as color goes through. So you essentially end up with a solar panel that actually visibly looks transparent. And I'll just add, Dave, I heard you mention thin film. Um, this is a thin film technology or the, or the equivalent. So I think, um, you know, in a lot of ways, like we, we think about First Solar as one of the leaders in thin film, um, they use inorganic materials. We use organic materials because that allows us to harvest only in the non-visible spectrum. But we otherwise have a lot of similarities to thin film panels. Uh, so that's just, just a reference point, if that's helpful. Yeah. So again, I'm going to show my ignorance over and over in these sorts of questions. But if you were to sort of obstruct some of the visible lights, wouldn't you just be creating maybe like a tint? I mean, is that something that you yeah. could do? I mean, obviously, the main application is to put this on glass windows, buildings. And these are some of the things we're definitely going to want to talk about. Um, but is there something that increases the efficiency, but maybe just creates a tint by maybe obstructing some of the visible light? What are, what are some of the ways that you sort of like think about why you want to keep it transparent or uh, yeah, other applications for it? Sure. Well, this is, you hit on what I think is one of the beautiful things about our technology is that it's tunable. So it is tunable for color, for tint, um, you know, for most optical qualities, we're able to tune those. Uh, and in fact, I, I have a story that I like right now because it's so fresh. Um, we have, you know, we're going for color neutral and as transparent as possible. And I'll explain to you why we're doing that for first products. Um, we have our known set of materials that are, you know, well-developed. They're, uh, they've been through all of our rigorous testing. We know they're manufacturable at scale. We know they're durable for, you know, life solar panel lifetimes. Uh, one of our potential customers came in and said, well, we don't really want color neutral. We want this to look a specific look. And it had like this gold reflection. Uh, I think it took our R&D team four days to tune our coating to be a functional solar panel that had the required aesthetics, which were neutral if you're looking from the inside of the building, reflected gold if you're looking at it from the outside of the building. Um, and so that, you know, that one shows our our R&D team is amazing. Um, but also that once you have developed these materials that selectively harvest within the non-visible spectrum, you are able to tune them, just like you said, by kind of sneaking into the visible spectrum in different ways to create a particular aesthetic. So that is, uh, that's within our capability set. Now, when you start, full customization uh it would be a complete disaster, right? And so what we've opted to do is to go for a formulation that meets the architectural glass spec uh, that is acceptable to, to the broadest swath of the market. And that is very color neutral, um, high transparency, right? These are windows. We wanna be able to see through the windows and see what's outside. Um, and a really neutral reflective color so that when you look at a building, you know, you don't see a, a green reflection or a blue reflection. Um, so that's what we've developed as our first go-to-market flagship formulation is to meet the window market uh, at its kind of most, most mass adoption look and feel. Um, and then the last thing I'll just say about that is not about aesthetics, um, but we've been able to do this while also maintaining all of the required performance of a traditional window. So we reflect solar heat, uh, which is very, very important for your windows. Um, we're able to provide insulating benefits. Um, so you get the same thermal performance with our coatings that you would expect from a window coating, but you also make electricity. And it looks like a window. So maybe yeah, yeah. Maybe, and I went to the website and I looked at it. I'm sure that computer screen doesn't fully do it justice, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was invisible. Um, so maybe you can help me understand in terms of like, if we were, do you try to compare your product to a traditional solar module or do you think it's a completely different application altogether? And, and if so, what sort of efficiencies are you able to sort of get with this uh, thin film technology where you're sort of like only using the infrared and the ultraviolet? Uh, what, what's your sort of target efficiency? Yeah. So uh, 
about two thirds of the photons in that solar spectrum are non-visible. So, you know, when you think about the theoretical limits of a transparent technology versus opaque technology, we automatically are sacrificing about a third of the photons. That just is, right? If you want to be able to see through it, we can't have those photons. Um, but we do have two thirds available and that's not nothing. Um, so our practical limits are about two thirds of the practical limits of silicon. Uh, so we have a, a pretty clear pathway to being, you know, kind of in the mid teens for power conversion efficiency, which is, you know, where some silicon panels are today. Um, that's for a single junction a device. There are, I don't want to call them tricks, but there, you know, there are ways to create more efficient devices um, once we get beyond there. But, you know, right now our path is, you know, into the mid teens. We have a third party validated formula that's in our R&D pipeline that's at 10% efficiency. And we're going to market with windows that are uh, more like 5% efficiency. So you can see we're moving quickly up the curve. Um, but that really answers your first question, which is, is this a solar panel? And should we think about it like a solar panel or should we think about it as something different? And I would argue you should think about it as something different. It's a window. It is, a, it is glass. It is architectural glass that makes energy. It's impossible to talk about that without the conventional solar as a frame of reference, right? I mean, that's just, I think that's just how human brains work. You, know, you have something that exists, you need to benchmark against it. And so um, we do talk a lot about conventional panels and how we compare, but I can tell you that I wouldn't put a transparent solar panel where I could put an opaque panel and vice versa. Um, so they're just, they're for different use cases. Um, but at the end of the day, they create a solar system so we have the same balance of system equipment that you would expect for a conventional solar system. We have inverters, um, batteries for storing power, which I think almost everybody who puts in solar now wants to store it. Um, so that once you get past the panel, it's pretty conventional, but they just, they go in different places. Yeah, I'll just add on, I'll just yeah. add on to that, uh, Dave, um, you know, in terms of, do we think about this as a traditional solar panel or not? I mean, as Susan mentioned, we we compare we talk about it in the same similar metrics in terms of how much you know what's the efficiency how much power can you generate um, and then we can get into what, which I think is the fun stuff which can you do with the power right um, especially now it's coming from a window but we really we really think about this more as a window technology right um, the application is a window it's a window it looks touch feels like a window and now you get this other added benefit, right? So you get all the great things that you get from your windows, right? Like the, like the nice windows you have right there behind you, right? If our technology was embedded in that window, you wouldn't know it, right? You wouldn't see it, but you would get some value added benefit out of it because you're producing renewable energy from that window. So we, we, we internally talk about this. Yes, we are a transparent solar technology, but our product, it's a window and it's a window first and foremost. It's gonna be a window no matter what happens, right? And so, and but it's also solar, right? So now you get this other value out of it, this benefit, and that's where that's where we think. With Susan, and I talk about this all the time. We're not just creating solar; we're creating something completely different, right? Like we haven't had windows that look like windows that do something else for us, right? Historically, dating back to millennia, the reason you have windows is because you want to see in and out, right? Before there was glass, there were just holes in buildings, right? And so. We haven't changed much there. So this is actually now going to change how we actually think about windows, right? Like you can do so much more with them and there's so much of them around. If we're able to do something like this, we can make such a huge impact. And so that's the kind of stuff that's going to be, you know, really, really fun. So as you're thinking about how to sort of penetrate the market, I mean, there, I mean, really, who, who's the market? Anyone that uses electricity, anyone that has his windows, right? But <laughs> But but as you think about how to penetrate the marketplace, how do you think about this? Is this more of a commercial application? Do you think there's a residential application? How are you sort of like thinking about uh, going out the proliferation of this product and 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 how to how to sort of like go to market uh, effectively and and really grow this transparent solar market space? Let let me start, and and Viral will absolutely have things to add to this. Um, we're we are attacking both markets, uh, the residential and commercial, and we have great applications in both. Uh, and I can tell you that 
one of the wonderful things about Windows is that the product that includes our solar materials is the same for both markets. So the the glass that goes into the window, you know, when I think of a window, I think of the glass, a residential window, really the the kind of the workmanship there is in, um, you know, the beautiful framing that goes around that glass, but the glass is the glass. Um, and it's the same glass that goes into commercial buildings. So for us, that part is really nice from a kind of production and product standpoint. Um, those Both of those markets are enormous. And, and so that's one of the things I wanna make sure that folks get to hear when we talk about impact, it is just enormous if we can tackle the building sector. So uh, I'm sure there are, you know, you've heard this before and folks that are listening have heard this before, this 40% number that, you know, buildings contribute 40% of carbon emissions. Some of that's embodied carbon, some of that's operational carbon. We tackle the operational carbon, obviously, because we're trying to offset energy needs from a building. But here's some stunning facts. Uh, there are 20 billion square feet of glass installed around the world every year. If we could convert that all over to solar energy generating glass, we could offset 10% of carbon emissions. Now that's that's a huge undertaking, right? To change all of this glass over and build, you know, start building with solar glass, but that's the potential. And when you think about, you know, I, I get the, the economy is the economy right now, and you know, the real estate sector is, is challenged. The planet is still building and we're building and building and building. And there's a report that came out uh, about a year ago that predicts that we will double our building stock by the year 2060, uh, which means that we're going to add a New York City to the planet every month for about 40 years. Uh, and so if you wonder if it's time to start building with sustainable materials, it is time. Uh, and so that we just that is what keeps us so motivated to bring this product to market in the building sector. We have other applications. We can talk about those, but the building sector, we can just make an enormous impact. There's so much surface area. So commercial buildings, and this is where I'll turn it over to Viral to talk a little bit more about product, but commercial buildings were a vertical solar system. Think vertical solar farms. You can you know, eventually glaze an entire building with solar generating glass and make that a solar asset. Residential buildings, we don't have as much glass typically, um, but you can add to an existing solar system, you can add production, or you can use the power that you generate right at the window. And so uh, we have a partnership with Anderson Windows that Alavir will talk about, um, and they're thinking about some really exciting things to energize their products without having to have them wired into the grid. Um, so. You know, I, I invite you to think about this as not just solar generation, but really a power platform for anything that sees the sun because it's invisible power. Yeah, just yeah, just adding to that. Um, you know, both both as Susan mentioned, our technology is our technology for both residential and commercial windows, right? So think about buildings or homes on the residential side. Um, you, you know, actually, frankly, for both. Um, our go-to-market really is 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 relying a lot on on a partnership strategy, right? Um, we're a startup company. We've developed this technology, but we're not that naive to think we're just going to be the world's window company all of a sudden, right? Uh, the window industry globally exists for a reason, and it's got a pretty good supply chain, and they got a lot of things going for them, and they've been doing this for a long time, right? So we don't necessarily want to recreate the wheel, nor do we need to, right? So so for that, what that means for us is how do we get this to residential windows? Well, we went out and found a partner in Anderson Window, right? They're they're America's biggest residential window manufacturer and probably most well-known brand, right? So our our strategy there is to partner with them and you know we're gonna develop joint products together. And in the future, you'll be able to buy an Anderson window that has transparent solar technology embedded in it. And that's how it's gonna get to the market, right? Anderson's got a brand, a reputation. They got the supply chain, they got the distribution, and we're just gonna, gonna be part of that portfolio of their offering, right? Um, and when you when you think about this on the commercial side, there isn't really an Anderson window for the commercial building market, right? The commercial building market is much more fragmented. And so what that means for us is similarly, we want to, we need to find more companies, right, that work in that space. And so that's what we're doing, right? We're partnering up with 
a number of what we call glazers. And so these are companies that buy windows and install them into buildings. And there just isn't one big company that does this for the country, right? There's a number of co uh, companies that do this. So our strategy there is, again, to partner up with these companies so that they can go and offer our product to their customers and to their building owners and get them into projects. And so that's how we kind of think about it from the go-to-market side of things. Obviously, relying on companies like that is very beneficial for us because they bring with them the brand, the reputation, the integrity. And now we're able to partner with them to bring something new and exciting, right? Something innovative and uh, cutting edge and most importantly, sustainable. Because as Susan mentioned, everybody, either we talk to our partners or customers, when we talk to them, they're always asking, how can we do things better from an energy standpoint? How can we make ourselves more efficient? How can we make ourselves more, you know, less reliant on the way that we've been doing things, right? How can we be more sustainable? So we're always in the conversation and, and we believe, you know, for good reasons, but that's kind of how we think about it. Um, and then as Susan mentioned, you know, there's different specific use cases, right? So now you have a window that has power. What could you do with that power, right? If you're at home, you know, could, you, could your window now be an extension of your security system? It could have a security camera embedded in it, just like your iPhone does, right? Um, if you're in a commercial building, you can start communicating. Um, hey, this floor is getting really hot. Let me communicate back to the HVAC system. Or, hey, the sun is really shining in this window. And, you know, you want to you have some logic and, you know, drive something to happen. So there's so many potential possibilities of what you could do. And I think what we'll see is they'll be specific for what they're actually, you know, getting installed and being used for, right? A window that's on a ground floor in a residential home is much different than a window that's on the, you know, 30th floor of a, of a skyscraper, right? So I think the use cases will be a little bit different, but it'll all have the same fundamental technology uh, that's, you know, driving it. Yeah. And congratulations, by the way. I did read about your recently announced partnership with Anderson Windows. Obviously, that's a very big deal, particularly on the residential side. Um, and frankly, really exciting, right? And so, I mean, it's exciting to see solar being grown as a sector across multiple areas. And and the thing about it is, is it, it's not it's not um, one of those situations where because you guys have a partnership with Anderson Windows, it's cannibalizing the solar industry in another place. It's just we're all growing uh, this space together, which is exciting. Exactly. I, I am curious though. So one of the things that's, uh, I'll give you just an example and I'd love for you to elaborate. One of the challenges in the, in like PV solar that goes on your roof is there's a fairly specific form factor and the, to get the cost of solar down, most suppliers have tried to adopt a very standardized form factor. We'd love to have triangular panels to really sort of like jigsaw together solar panels on roofs and make it look like it was custom for the home, but it's just not practical to do that that with windows being so custom and so different how do you sort of think about that and solve that problem this is one of my favorite questions because uh it's it customization is just inherent in the window industry i mean you said it, it is uh is a requirement for adoption in this industry that said just like most things you can think of there's a pretty normal distribution on sizes and what actually gets sold so you know, at least to start, I mean, where we are going is full customization without doubt, because that is, that is what the market needs. Um, to start, uh, we believe that we can have a select number of sizes that will cover, you know, most of the market. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, for conventional solar, the, the decision to be in a single form factor is mostly cost driven, uh, Sure. It, for us, same thing. I mean, it would be if all we had to do is make one panel size, it is cheaper to make without a doubt. Um, unfortunately, that just isn't the product. So one of the things that our uh, technology team has been able to do, and these decisions predate me, so I can take no credit. I'm just, you know, I'm an admirer of these decisions. Um, our team figured out how to embed our materials in an existing window coating that already is standard in the industry and figure out how to do that using the same manufacturing equipment and processes that the industry already uses. So what that means is that at scale, we should be able to approach the cost of a conventional window without photovoltaics. Mm -hmm. uh, so that 
that's really exciting. Even being able to do custom. And as you can imagine, same thing in the window industry, the more custom, the more it costs. Um, but that's just the way that the market works. And I think that's also embedded into the pricing in the market. Um, so we have a, we do have a relatively well-developed solution there. Um, and then, you know, there is a power electronics aspect to it, um, which I'm guessing is also it kind of embedded in your question that our panels are different sizes. They see sun at different moments. Um, and we're able to work through that with uh, some power electronics at the module level. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that was probably going to be my follow-up question, but uh, I'm glad that you read it as an embedded question. So I'm curious in terms of like, so there's the form factor piece of it, but in terms of additional cost or extra cost, and I'll also both thrilled and surprised to find out that you believe that you can sort of get this technology into a window at sort of like the standard window pricing. That's really exciting for the industry, uh, the window industry and the solar industry, by the way. Um, but I'm curious, what about sort of like the additional costs? So one of the things, uh, so solar panel costs, if you follow it very much, solar panel costs have been really coming down. I would even say crashing the European market. You can get solar panels right now at the wholesale market for in this sort of like mid teen cents per watt, which is crazy. If you'd asked me 12 months ago, if that was going to be possible, I would have said no way. Um, and I know thin film sort of like trades at a different sort of level, right? So the photovoltaic solar panels and thin film panels um, typically have different pricing and they're decoupled at least a little bit. Um, but balance of system is something that's pretty standard across all of the photovoltaic, uh, at least on the on the uh, the standard solar panels, the polysilicon solar panels that we're putting on roofs. H how does, uh, in terms of balance of system, is it more expensive or less expensive or is there extra parts or, or widgets or, or bips and bops that need to be added to a system that when you're putting a thin film system on windows? You want to start on that one? Yeah, I, I would say, no, there really isn't anything different, right? I mean, it's literally a solar panel, right? So if you want to use it elsewhere, you got to convert it to AC, right? So you have to have an inverter somewhere. And we have similar kind of power electronics that a traditional solar panel would have so that it operates at its, uh, what we call the MPP, right? The max power operating uh, kind of point, right? So if you want to find that, point on the IV curve, the current voltage curve that you get the maximum power out. And so that's all electronics, right? So these are all things that are, we call off, off the shelf. Um, and, and that's really our strategy for a lot of, a lot of the things that are not core to our technology, right? The, what's core to our technology, we, we want to make sure, you know, we can do really well for everything else. Again, we don't need to recreate everything, right? We need an inverter. Let's go find the best inverter that kind of fits what we need, right? Whether it's a micro inverter or a string inverter or whatever, right? That's going to depend on the, the final design of the system or the building or the home, right? So there's nothing, I can't think of anything that's really unique um, that we need specifically from a power electronics standpoint. Because um, again, it's a solar panel. So everything that you need for a solar panel to use that power um, will need to uh, have as well. Yeah. So traditional solar has grown primarily as a retrofit market. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you sort of like position yourselves and think about yourselves really in the new new building side as well. But is this a retrofit product as well? Do you feel like it is or is it really going to be focused mostly on just new building? I mean, with a New York City once a month, I think there's probably more than enough TAM for you guys to just focus on the new construction. But do you feel like it's a it's going to be a retrofit product product as well? I think it will. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, you're absolutely right to start. It's just everything's easier when you're embedded in the design phase, right? I mean, we talk to folks about projects, the design phase for a commercial building can be two years. So, you know, the, in a lot of ways, the building can actually be engineered around these PV windows. So that's, and to start, we'll be very focused on new build, both in residential and commercial. But one of the things that gets me extra excited is um, I'm a little bit of a social or a climate equity nerd. And uh, there's, and again, this is probably, you're in solar, so these are things I'm sure you've heard, um, but the, the energy burden for low-income households is incredibly high relative to other households. Um, and a, a primary driver there is that there's a disconnect between the building owner and the building user. And what we need are drivers for that building owner to turn over old building stock and make it more efficient 
uh, in a way that makes is a good investment for them and benefits the user and the you know the renter. Uh, and I think we have that here. We have a lot of old building stock that not only does not have solar, and by the way, multifamily doesn't have a lot of rooftop space, right? Uh, and we're looking at some of this older multifamily that maybe the roof can't support rooftop solar. Um, that's a whole separate uh, thing, right? The mismatch between what you need and what you have to put rooftop solar on. Um, because we come with a revenue stream, I think that in the long term, the ability to create electrons using your windows will drive upgrades. And then you get the double benefit for that person who is living or working in the space. You get you go from maybe a yucky old single pane uncoated window that gets hot as soon as you sit next to it. You go to a modern, well-insulated, heat-reflective window that also makes electricity and is generating electricity for the building owner or for you in your unit. Um, so I think that can be the driver for upgrades for some of these buildings that don't get upgraded because it's too expensive. So we'll get there. We're going to start a new construction. You're exactly right. It's it's easier. It's more straightforward. Um, but these buildings need to be reglazed, and I hope we can be a driver for that. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a nice segue for us. And we talk a lot about this on the solar podcast, the Inflation Reduction Act. And one of the things that I really like about the Inflation Inflation Reduction Act is there were some provisions put in place that really should drive solar into some of the disadvantaged parts of the United States and parts of, of America. There's the low income sort of uh, um, considerations in there. And um, for a long time, solar has really been sort of like a luxury of like the middle and upper class. And so it's uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. One of the things that I think that they certainly got right was trying to put provisions in place and incentives in place to really sort of like advantage neighborhoods that haven't really had a lot of exposure and opportunities towards solar. That being said, I'd love to kind of get your take on how does ubiquitous energy sort of think about the reduction uh, or the the Inflation Reduction Act? Um, because it's a window, how does uh, what's the sort of like, uh, uh, you know, what's the treatment as it relates to the Inflation Reduction Act? And what are some of the things uh, that are considerations in the Inflation Reduction Act that you think, um, you know, really sort of like help out this transparent solar technology? Or is it just treated the same? I guess there's a, there's a lot embedded right. in that question because uh, I, I haven't studied the, the very long Inflation Reduction Act as it relates to transparent solar, but I would imagine it's the treatment is, is, is fairly uh, standard as it relates to solar. It is, and I'll, I'll start here and let, let Viral jump in and correct me where I've missed things. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the answer is simple, which is that it's the same. I mean, we make a solar panel, so the glass is a solar panel, and it needs to be racked, and the framing is a rack, and wiring is the wiring, balance system is balance system. So what we do by adding our photovoltaic coating is effectively turn the entire window system, whether it's a building facade or a single window in your single family home, into energy property that qualifies for the ITC all the way through installation. So it's, uh, it is a very nice incentive for us and uh, is a beautiful way for us to, you know, kind of help offset early pricing until we get to scale. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. We're a solar panel. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the, the benefit, the, the nice, the, there's so many nice things about this. We love, we love it. Just like every, every solar person probably loves the inflation reduction lag and the investment tax credit, right. And the extension of it. Right. Um, but exactly as Susan said, our window is essentially a solar system now. Right. So your window that your traditional window that you had, just by applying and integrating our technology into that, you're able to convert that whole window essentially into a solar system. So now that tax credit applies just like it does for a traditional rooftop solar, right? It applies to the installed cost, right? So it applies to the labor that's needed to install that window. It applies to the cost of the window, including the frame and everything, right? So it's an, it's an all-in uh, incentive and it applies exactly the same way. Uh, and then I just wanted to add a comment about, you know, when we think about going back to the equity, uh, the social equity part about this, um, we, as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of great things in there that the Inflation Reduction Act did um, to promote and um, try to uh, get more solar, more renewable into these kind of disadvantaged communities. Um, you know, we've been we've been thinking about that as well. Um, and for a lot of the things that we do, because for mass adoption, it's got to be economically priced, right? Like we can't, we don't want to make something that's 
the Ferrari of windows, right? Like only few people around the world will have, right? Or a few buildings, right? This is meant to be used by everybody. And one of the things we're proud of is we've gotten to do a lot of work with uh, the, the state of California. We've been fortunate to receive some uh, grants from the state and the energy commission here. And as part of those projects, one of the things that we have on the books to do in the near future here is to actually do, to do a sizable installation of our windows into an actual disadvantaged community. Um, it'll probably be somewhere closer to us around the Bay Area, maybe in Central California. But that's a real project. And, you know, we're really excited to be working on things like that because we've noticed already, we haven't even done it yet, but like just the lack of just general system and support that there is, right, to get something like this done. It's not just like you can go call up your local solar installer and, and get this to happen, right? I mean, we have, we're have we seeing how difficult it actually is to work with some of these communities because they're just, they're, they're, they're like, they have no idea and there's just, they don't know what to do. We don't know who to talk to because we're not the contractor. We're not the electrician, right? So there's a lot of good things that this is actually going to help increase and improve just systematically that will make this better and easier um, just going forward. And, and it's something that just, to your point, hasn't been done um, and for a number of reasons, but I think all of these things will start happening now and make it easier um, in the future because that's what's really got to happen, right? I mean, it's not just being offering products and technologies like this to these communities, it's helping them adopt it, right? There's a lot of things that, as, as everybody knows, it goes into projects like getting an installed system. And so, um, a lot of that work has to be done. And that's the thing that's going to be exciting because that means they'll make it easier, be more jobs, you know, so, so the benefit side is so great and it's, it's kind of really fun to be part of that process and help them figure things out and get things done correctly. Yeah. I am a little bit curious. Obviously, one of the really important provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act is this domestic content piece. So with Anderson Windows being a U.S. manufacturer, I believe, yeah. I actually need to verify that, but as a U.S. manufacturer, was that some sort of an incentive? Or is when you're talking about partnerships of people that are doing manufacturing here in the United States, that um, there's a potential opportunity to, to participate in, take advantage of that domestic content as they incorporate your module into their window? Yes, definitely. I mean, we, we're not quite in production yet. I mean, and that's something I just want to make sure we clarify when Viral's talking about mm -hmm. doing this installation. You can actually see a sample behind me up on the shelf. Um, that's about the size of the windows that come off of our pilot production line today. And we're in the final planning stages for our first full-size, full-scale production line, um, which will be here in the U.S. And so that is... One, in order to make sure that we qualify for domestic production to you know, add that additional benefit um, from the IRA. Uh, two, because we have plenty of customers here in the U.S. who want U.S. made stuff, um, right? That's especially in the commercial real estate sector. That is a nice thing to be able to offer a U.S. made product. Um, but we also have a, a lot, a lot of support from the Department of Energy. Uh, I'm sure you've heard a lot about the funding programs uh, through the Department of Energy that are meant to really stabilize our civil or supply chain, but also increase U.S. manufacturing. And so we are uh, poised to be a beneficiary of one of those, um, which would also be yet another um, good reason to make sure that we are domestically produced and we have primarily domestic content. So that's a focus for us. And it's uh, so far we should be handily qualifying for that. Yeah. So uh, for our audio only listeners, that's probably what about a two foot by three foot yeah, ish panel. Is that something? 14 inch by 20 inch specifically. 14 um, inch by 20 inch. It's a, and it's a magic size because it's the size that architects use for sampling, but also that third party uh, testing houses use for doing all the testing for architectural glass. So it's uh, it's a very special size in the window industry. And and if is that the size of the production module, the window that you intend to use, that 14 by, tell me again, 14 by 30, is that what you said? Yeah. No, no, no. 14 by 20. That's okay. just, we're only limited right now by by the equipment in our little little pilot facility in Redwood City. Um, the the goal for the first production line will be to be able to make, you know, floor to ceiling glass or a, a patio door, I mean, that effectively that size. So you think of it five by 10 feet, 
not inches. We're going to move from inches to feet. Uh, and we've already been able to demonstrate that our production equipment can make our coatings uh, effectively at that size. So we don't have technology risk in scaling up to that size. It's really just about uh, raising the capital and building the factory. And a five by 10, what's your expected sort of like power class for that module? What would you, what do you think when you initially launch in market, what your hopeful power class is for that? So it should be um, at a 5% efficiency. It's like a, am I going to be off by decimal here? Is it 50 watts per meter square? No, that's right. That's a dollar square. That's right. Yeah. So a couple hundred, so... You're going to make me do math and uh, well, we're going to have to go back math. and edit this out. <laughs> Fair. So, but a five by 10, it's, it should be comparable to, uh, you know, a, maybe a three by five solar module then if, if, uh, if, if that uh, maybe a little bit less. Maybe like a little bit less. Like that, yeah. Cause we're about 20% the efficiency of a, you know, an average panel yeah well, well we'll have one of the one of the inevitable nerds that listens to this put their comments in and and, and let us know exactly okay. what the right what the right math was but well, they're, uh, probably ha they're um, all on our, half of yeah. our team will comment <laughs> well how are you not uh, yeah on point with this answer yeah yeah um, it, yeah yeah, yeah it's, well, about, it's, it's about 50 watts per square meter right um so i was trying to do the quick math in my head but yeah you, you should be able to for for five by ten so that's what 50 square feet you should be able to get in that you know, a couple hundred watt range. Yeah. Which is awesome. I, I think that's exciting. So ho hopefully everyone builds their patios uh, pointed at the sun <laughs> as well. That would be helpful also. So, <laughs> um, well, great. Uh, obviously you're both industry experts. And one of the things that I love about talking to all the many different industry experts that come on the show is, is that, um, you know, while certainly we're all competing, um, uh, to try to, um, you know, get people to convert their energy to over whatever our technology is or our companies. The truth of the matter is, is that it's a wide open, wild, wild west still. And, and there's lots of opportunity and growth opportunities for everyone. And we're really not competing against each other, but really helping each other out. So I'd love to get just your take, both of you on sort of like where, what, 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 what keeps you really excited about solar right now? What are some of the trends that you see in solar that keeps you really excited and, and uh, things that you can share with our listeners to really help them hopefully get excited about solar as well? Vera, why don't you start? Yeah. Like I always start. You have to go second. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so many things, right, Dave? I mean, we see, not only see it, hear about it, but are in discussions, um, just the general excitement and interest there is just how can we get more solar out there, right? Um, I'm sure people know the statistic. You know, I think it's uh, every 90 minutes, there's enough sunlight that hits the earth to power the whole earth for a year, right? So it seems pretty straightforward to me, like we need more of that, right? Like how can we just get more of it? So as opposed to, you know, putting out the equivalent of something like an Arizona worth of a solar field out in the world somewhere, you know, what are practical ways that we can do this? And so we think just, when we think about our technology, we think about just deploying more solar, right? It's just a way to deploy more solar. So. The, the things that are exciting are things like the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, the extension of the investment tax credit, um, some of the regulations and mandates that are coming now um, from a building side, specifically for us, because we're talking about windows, right? So building with more sustainable uh, materials, but construction getting to be more sustainable, right? So, you know, those building codes that are going in place now, I mean, California's had this now for, I think, a year or so where every new home that's built has to have solar on it, right? Um, of course, there's loopholes for, because for practicality reasons, you know, you can't put solar in every home, but that's that's like written into law, right? And so we're starting to see those similar types of things proliferate not only throughout the country, but throughout the world. Um, places like Japan, even um, places in uh, Eastern Europe have countrywide mandates that some percentage of every commercial project their energy has to come from an on-site renewable energy source. And, and it, you know, as well as we do and, and listeners, right? For a lot of projects and a lot of buildings, it's not really practical to adopt traditional solar for a number of reasons, right? And so we just see this as just, you know, just going and continuing to go and getting more and more traction, um, not only here, 
in California, nationally, but around the world. And that's what's really, really exciting because people are starting to put this into practice now, right? Like it's only really when what we've heard and what we've seen is things really pick up in the construction world when things start to get regulated, mandated, like you have to do it. Well, people are saying, hey, guys, you're going to have to start doing this. And so that's just going to drive for better or for worse. We think obviously for the better, just more adoption and more deployment of renewable energy. And that's that's really what we need. Yeah, I think really you you covered most of it, of course. Um, one of the things, the trends that I've been watching lately, which is exciting to me, uh, is I think there's a growing acceptance of distributed renewable energy that I think has been pretty hard fought by the industry. Um, you know, util- it was for a long time, it was kind of utility scale or bust, you know, residential solar, kind of like, oh, that's cute for single family homes. Um, I think we've all kind of woken up to the fact that yes, we can decarbonize the grid, but as we grow as a society, our infrastructure will not be able to keep up. And uh, we need we need to effectively double our transmission grid in the next 20 years. And if we don't, if we're going to rely solely on utility scale renewables or just utility scale energy at all. And so for me, it's, it's, it has to be a two-sided answer. Yes, we should decarbonize the grid and the grid is an amazing, wondrous infrastructure project. I mean, the fact that you build a new house, you call up a utility and energy just starts coming to your home. I mean, that's amazing. Homes and commercial buildings just need to participate and help take some of the weight off of that grid, even if it's completely decarbonized. As we move off of that hydrocarbon economy, we need more infrastructure and buildings need to participate. And we're seeing more and more of a groundswell around this because it's reality. I mean, I, I, just, I don't think that we are going to be capable of building enough transmission lines to meet our needs if we're wholly reliant on the grid. Um, we just we need to think differently. And so that's a trend that I'm seeing starting to pick up and I think is really exciting. Yeah. I think one thing that's just fascinating is, as we talk about the really low single digit market penetration that solar has within the United States. And if you talk about it globally, it's, it's, it's lower. Certainly there are markets that are winning with Australia, maybe being as high as 30%. uh, But there are markets that are much further behind as well. And uh, I think that one of the stats that you shared with us today, which is just staggering is, is the equivalent of a New York city being built every month. It's, it's the truth of the matter is, is that we have to build a lot of solar just to not lose market penetration, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's so much solar that's really needed really just to meet the increasing demand. Mm-hmm. And the other stat that I think is interesting is when I first got into solar, what I was told was it was 60 minutes would provide enough energy. But when you talk about all of the car, all of the need of, ele- of, of vehicles, when you talk about the need of all of the electricity that we use, the truth of the matter is, is that we're using far more mm-hmm. energy now than before. And there's still close to a billion people on the earth that still don't have access to, to consistent electricity yeah. and lights. So the, the amount of electricity that we're going to need is only going to grow. This is certainly a space and certainly a challenge that we globally need to solve. I'm glad we're doing it at home here in the mm-hmm. United States. I know that you guys are certainly thinking about it more large scale windows across the world. Um, but maybe you can just kind of give me a little bit of an idea. What are the things that you're most excited about as it relates to ubiquitous energy in the coming years, months that you guys are really focused on and really excited about and bullish about? I'm excited about our partnerships. And, you know, Vera mentioned this earlier in the conversation. Uh, this is such a well-established and efficient supply chain that you know, our partnerships are really what drive us into the market. So I'm excited, you know, obviously about the work we're doing with Anderson Windows. We have a a few upcoming that we can't talk about yet. We'll be able to talk about soon that you're right. Our global. Hey, let's, let's break it here. Let's do it. Let's talk <laughs> I about I it. Could. I could. We're so close. <laughs> uh, we'll come back and break it. How's that? Uh, that sounds great. We, and I think, so for me, I think, yes, it's a super well-established industry. It, it's, it's super efficient. Um, it's also, we're in a regulated building product industry. So things are, slow to move relative to like software, let's say. Um, and so I think what we've been seeing over the last you know 12 to 18 months is just a growing acceptance of our technology by the industry and a growing um, just acceptance that it's coming and it needs to be 
uh, a part of their portfolio. Um, so, you know, we have more and more partnership discussions with folks who have the capability of producing this at, you know, global scale. And I think right now that for me is just new and exciting and, and kind of a new chapter. Yeah, things, things, there's too many exciting things for me to probably list them all. Um, I think a couple of things that come to mind are, um, you know, Susan mentioned the partnerships, but to me, um, in a, it very, very soon here in the near future is us being able to break ground on a manufacturing facility, right? That's like, that's going to be so fun to like see a factory getting built and go up. And then what comes off of that is going to be windows that generate electricity. That's going to be installed in people's homes. It's going to be installed in, you know, uh, commercial buildings, uh, universities, airports, right? I mean, just everywhere that you see glass uh, when you travel around, right? In a built environment, that's what's going to be really exciting when we when we see buildings just with our windows in it. I think that's going to be so rewarding. Um, it was already so rewarding when we outfitted uh, one of our uh, rooms at, at our office here with our windows. That was like so awesome, right? But then to think about that being on that larger scale, to be a full building, to be a full home, you know, I think that's going to be really exciting. And, and we're not that far away, right? I mean, the, the other thing that's exciting to me is is being able to do things like this, right? And get to talk to people like you, Dave, that I think is just so fun. And just talking about our experience, our what we're doing and how we can make an impact and just kind of spreading that word. Because believe it or not, a lot of people don't even know who we are, that we exist, this technology exists. People think like, is this like science fiction? Like, how can you do this? What's the magic trick here, right? Like, are you trying to pull it over on me? And it's like, no, we're not, right? We're, we're trying to do the right thing here and it's happening, right? So... Um, I think those things are exciting. Um, and then and then who knows, right, where this goes in terms of other application spaces. We didn't even touch on that, right? I mean, think about applic applying this to, you know, electric vehicles, applying this to trains, buses, airports, um, sustainable farming, right? Uh, all the stuff that we like to play with. Yeah, phones, consumer electronics, right? Wouldn't it be great if your iPhone never ran out of power because you spent 20 minutes a day outside uh, and it got enough energy to trickle charge, wouldn't that be, there'd be nobody huddled around at airports or these busy coffee shops trying to get access to the plug, right? I mean, those things are really, really cool, right? So uh, we just believe that this technology can go in so many different areas and applications, but um, we're really excited about what's ahead of us, you know, right now. And, and that's getting this out into Windows. Yeah, we all remember that calculator we had when we were little yeah. kids that had that little solar panel. Yeah. Right? So I think that's a fantastic yeah. application. I got to tell you, it was going to be one of my last questions here, which is mm -hmm. asking you about additional applications for it, because I think people are sometimes disappointed to find out you can't just put a solar panel on a, on top of a car and then have unlimited driving capabilities, because you know I think they're surprised oh, yeah. to find out that the cars use a <laughs> lot of power. Right. But that doesn't mean that solar we should... Phones, we should yeah. I was going to say, so do mobile yeah. phones, yeah. but uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if, if we can you know, take advantage of energy otherwise unused mm -hmm. and even subsidize, even if it's a small percentage, those small percentages make a big difference um, at scale. And so I think that's what's excited. And, and so people are, again, disappointed that a single solar panel won't charge their vehicle for unlimited driving. That's just um, that, that, that <laughs> is just physics, unfortunately, but like, it doesn't change you, the fact that you said it, Dave, I mean, being able to subsidize power is incredible. Like that's what we're planning. We're doing for buildings. We're not going to offset 100 percent of the building's energy use from their windows. But what if we can offset 30 percent, subsidize it, and then have, you know, resiliency power where we can power, you know, your most critical load, 30 percent load, you know, without the grid. So th I love the way you're thinking about it because that's the way we think about it too. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, not at all. I think you said it best. So, um, well, uh, Susan and Viral, it's been an absolute pleasure to visit with you for the time we have. Um, you know, it's 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 always fascinating for me to be able to speak with industry experts. This is something that people ask me about a lot of times. Why can't solar panels be dot, 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 fill in the blank? And obviously you guys are are solving one of those issues, which is why can't solar panels be beautiful or why can't solar panels be transparent or why can't they just be the windows of my house? And, and I think it's exciting that it, Ubiquitous Energy is trying to solve that problem. It's fantastic uh, that they have you, Susan, and you, Viral, there to be able to sort of like guide and help uh, help uh, lead that effort. And and it's been an absolute fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. And Susan, Viral, anything that you want to make sure to share with our listeners before we uh, before we uh, 
end off today? Just get ready for your solar windows. Yeah, no. If you're planning uh, your renovation project, just wait a couple of years because we're going to have solar windows for you. Yeah, the only thing I... Yeah, well, I'm... I'm oh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Well, I'm 11 years into having my first solar installed at my house. I could definitely see myself installing solar windows on my home. As soon as the retrofit market really starts to come out, That's uh, I'd love to be a customer, but sorry. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll tease you that Anderson has a sizable business in the retrofit business, right, to replacement windows. So, um, so... Something coming there. Um, but um, yeah, you know, feel free to have listeners, you know, visit our website where you can find out a lot of information about us and and reach out to us, right? Um, and we're solar people, right? So I, like me and Susan have both have solar. I've, I got the Tesla solar roof. So the thing that people don't realize about solar is once you get it, it becomes almost like part of you, right? Like you're always constantly looking, how much energy am I producing? How much am I offsetting, right? And so we think of that and then the application and the user experience that's going to bring to Windows, right? Because now your window, you're going to be like, hey, how much energy am I getting for my window? You know, instead of just like, oh, shoot, my window's dirty. I got to clean it, right? That's the only time people really think about Windows, right? Or if it needs to be replaced, right? So we think there's, it's going to bring this other side of kind of just the user experience and personal connection to Windows that people really just don't have. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute fantastic conversation. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot in the conversation as well. So something I'm going to do some additional research on, I would certainly encourage our listeners to do the same thing. Obviously, you can go to uh, the Ubiquitous uh, website to learn more um, and uh, certainly watch for other big announcements like Anderson Windows. And and maybe we'll have Susan and Viral come back onto this show and break their news here. So thank you. Uh, thank you again, Susan and Viral, for coming on. The yeah, show. thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave.